I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Welcome to a Turn on the Jets digital special presentation. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And I'm joined to talk about what I thought was going to be day three of minicamp, but ended up being a day at Top Golf instead. But we do have other things to talk about as well. Of course, I'm talking about the great beat reporter from NJ.com and New Jersey Advanced Media, Mr. Daryl Slater. Daryl, what's going on, man? Not too much. Yeah, off day for uh, the players and reporters today. I mean, I had to work from home, but you know, uh, no practice today, as you said. So, uh, yeah, two days of minicamp in the books. Sounds like some of those guys were excited to play golf, but I'm not so sure that any of them should quit their day jobs. Some of those swings were a little ugly. Yeah, Le'Veon Bell had a nice you know, Instagram story commenting on all the uh, other guys' swings. Honestly, though, he, he didn't even bother to get out there, so he was like crapping on all these guys for being terrible at golf and i, I think he was recognizing <laughs> he too would have been terrible but uh for what you know he didn't he didn't get out there sam darnold has got a nice swing uh i'm trying i'm sure there's other guys in the team who can golf well he just happened to show all the guys who were <laughs> terrible uh so you know uh yeah fun day down i think top golf's down in edison you know it's one of those facilities where you can uh it's a glorified driving range thing where you can do uh there's like points involved with it or something like that. And you can get like food and beer at your table. It sounds like fun. Um, never been down there, but uh, yeah, big event for the Jets team bonding type thing for, for those guys. And Adam Gase decided to do that instead of, instead of another mini camp practice. Like ultimately these practices are only worth, but so much. And I think he figured, you know, why not have a, a bonding experience with everybody here? You know, the, the you know, since mandatory uh and everyone is is around but you know want to have one of these and can't hurt so look like they had a fun day to be fair to Le'Veon bell it's possible that he wasn't really feeling in the mood to play golf after he had a whole bunch of jewelry taken from him yeah pretty crazy uh i guess so may 25th you know this is all in the police report and we have it up on the site right now you can look at the whole police report and all the details he had basically five hundred twenty thousand dollars in jewelry taken, allegedly taken from him by a couple of his of his girlfriends, or that's what he that's what he claimed them as. Uh, and there was also twenty two thousand six hundred dollars in cash, and there was a five thousand dollar item uh, that was listed on the police report, and it was not specified what that was jewelry jewelry or cash, but um, five hundred twenty thousand dollars in jewelry. It's a lot of jewelry, especially because there weren't a lot of items. That's the other thing, like. There were, uh, you know, like five items. <laughs> so, you know, some $80,000 piece of jewelry. You're like, my God, I could buy like six of the cars that I own with that. <laughs> like, so, uh, yeah. So he seems to be, he seemed to be in a fine mood when he talked with us this week. And then he's at the Top Golf thing. And I'm, you know, quite frankly, you know, I don't know, but you would think stuff like that would be insured. Uh, and then again, he didn't have it locked up, so maybe he didn't have it locked up because it was insured. So, uh, yeah, c- quite an interesting experience for him, uh, with that, but you know, nobody was hurt. He didn't do anything wrong. Uh, you know, he just had some things taken from him and 
uh, supposedly taken from him, according to the police report. And, you know, hopefully for his sake, he can get that all back. I guess if not, you know, maybe he's in, you know, it's insured. And if not, he has a, a whole lot more than $520,000 to spend on more jewelry <laughs> if that's what he wants to do. For God's sakes, Le'Veon, buy yourself a safe, will you? Just <laughs> protect yourself, for the love of God. Yeah, I guess uh, I guess he, you know, he trusted the people who were, who were there in his house. Um, and, you know, who knows? I mean, this is a, this was a police report. Cannot, not always is, is the full version of what happened. Uh, this is what he's alleging. We have, you know, we have no reason to doubt what that is true, that is false or whatever. But, uh, but yeah, kind of a bummer for him, uh, for, for what went down there. But, uh, but, you know, nothing he did wrong. Nothing he did wrong. Maybe something, you know, he, he could have done a little smarter in terms of securing that stuff. But, uh, probably not the end of the world for a guy who just got $27 million guaranteed, especially if, like I said, that stuff was insured. He's probably going to be fine. Still, though, I have to say, when you're talking about stuff that valuable, you got to go with the motto of one of the great philosophers of our time, Stone Cold Steve Austin. ETA, <laughs> don't trust anybody. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No doubt. I, you know, I would have had a safe for sure for that. <laughs> for sure. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. As far as protecting valuables, though, Le'Veon Bell is going to want to protect his jewelry going forward, and the Jets are going to want to protect their best players, particularly Sam Darnold. Darnold was kind of up and down at the OTAs. What were some of your takeaways from the two days that the Jets practiced? I know you put a bunch of them up at NJ.com. Tell me about what your major observations were. Yeah, so he'd actually look good in, in, in the OTAs before, you know, before this, so basically, the Jets had a three-day mini camp in late April. Volunteer, he's been on all these practices. Uh, three-day mini camp in late April, and we got to see one of those, and he looked pretty good in that. Uh, there were three OTAs in the first week of OTAs, and we got to see one of one of those, and he's pretty good in that. And the second week of OTAs, there were three OTAs, we got to see one of those, and he was pretty good in that. So we got to see three of the first nine practices, uh, and then this week we got to see both of the mandatory mini camp practices, and he wasn't as good. You know, he, he he's learning a new offense, and that's part of it. And, going against a challenging defense in terms of what Greg Williams is throwing at him. Um, so they're doing a lot of offensive insulation stuff, and uh, Donald wasn't really super accurate. Now, some of what other guys are doing out there in terms of making mistakes certainly factors into that. Now, he had a pick. He overthrew some balls, so he got a little frustrated with himself at times. And that's, you know, you got to remember, he's a second-year quarterback, and you got to remember, too, it's not like he had a great year in total last year. And I keep saying it, you know, the jury's still out on whether this guy's going to be a very good quarterback. I think the potential's there, but for anyone to say definitively that he's going to be great is just foolish. It's way too early. Uh, but I don't think two days of mini camp is a sign that he won't be good or whatever. There's no reason to read into it one way or the other anyway. I think it's stupid to like, you know, take what happens and like these plays and extrapolate, you know, bigger, bigger picture uh, conclusions about his progress. I mean, these guys aren't even in pads. There's, there are no contact workouts. You know, nobody can even touch him. It's barely football, you know, so it's about, it's more about learning the plays and 
that's and the, it's more about the things that we can't really see out there the classroom stuff how he's grasping the plays and how he's going through it uh than it is about you know what happens i mean we, we give you guys the observations and i always write every single time for however many years I've been covering the team <laughs> don't read too much into this but if you want to know what happens here's here's what happened um so um He's developing rapport with Adam Gase right now, who's who's you know found that Sam Donald really likes to be pushed and coached hard, and he doesn't. You know, uh, this is found that he doesn't need to use kid gloves with Donald. That Donald likes when Gase is hard on him and aggressive with him. So I think it's interesting. That those guys are kind of feeling each other out. That's another important nuance part of the spring that goes beyond just like a few plays in the OTAs or mini camp. Which again, like we're we're giving you guys the information because we're there and it's it's accessible information. Um, but it's also worth noting where it fits in the big picture of things. So, yeah, he, he wasn't great these two days. He had been better in the previous three practices that we saw. And the Jets have four. They resume OTAs next week. They have four practices, Monday through Thursday. We'll get to be there on Tuesday and Thursday. And we'll get to see those final two. So, uh, basically, all together, uh, we'll get to see seven practices in the spring out of the 15. Uh, the 15, yeah, that they do. So, um, that'll give us... I guess half of the picture of how things are going. Uh, but, but like I said, you know, it's still grain of salt type stuff because of, of the, of how these practices are all conducted, you know, with no pads, no contact, you know, learning a new offense and all that jazz. So that's the deal with what Sam Darnold did and didn't do this week. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Now that we've stipulated that we should take all minicamp and OTA and training camp activities with a bit of a grain of salt, what else did you have as your major observations beyond just Sam Darnold the last couple of days? Yeah, I think it's interesting because you know there are some guys who can emerge in these, and maybe they build on that, and maybe they don't. But uh, you know, you watch guys who are like kind of under the radar, who I think you know are kind of interesting to see, like a guy who is like, guys who are younger. We start to play well in this, these sort of things. Sometimes this is a springboard to, to bigger things. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes those guys fizzle, but those guys have to start somewhere. You know, I mean, those type of players are like talking about Derek Jones, uh, for instance. You know, a guy, that type of player is not going to be a great player from the get go. It's going to take him, but you know, a couple of years to get his feet wet, and maybe you know he turns the corner and becomes a productive player, productive backup in year three, and you start to see those signs in the spring. And he's played pretty well so far in the spring. Derek Jones, a thin position the Jets are at, and. Uh, you know, obviously, everyone knows how thin cornerback is. Could he be the? Could he be the, the fourth corner? Could he overtake Daryl Roberts for the other starting job? I mean, it's way early, but those are some interesting questions. I mean, we have to talk about something, right? So, why not spitball about this stuff? And um, I think you know, he's been pretty interesting in terms of under the radar guys. Daniel Brown, the tight end, interesting guy in terms of uh, he had special teams value coming free agency, but uh, he's been made some nice catches. So, like, could he maybe be, like, one of the tight ends they keep and bump off Eric Tomlinson? Every year there's a surprise cut or two. Again, it's early, but these are things like these type of guys uh, who maybe emerge in these practices can turn it into something more. Um, so, you know, that's what I thought. In terms of Le'Veon Bell, um, he didn't get a lot of work. 
he looked fine. I mean, it's so stupid to like try to assess how a running back looks in a practice with no pads. <laughs> I mean, and no tackling. I mean, that's literally like a huge portion of what the guy does. Uh, but he looked pretty smooth, and he most importantly didn't hurt get hurt in these practices. So um, limited work, like I said. But yeah, so that's sort of a, a look. I think at I think to, to assess something like whether a pass rusher is getting pressure in these sort of things is insane. Like, come on. Like, yeah, I mean, Leonard Williams got in the backfield a couple times. Uh, I think Quentin Williams, we didn't touch on him, but, you know, his situation's weird because he's kind of working with the third team a little bit, and, of course, he looks much, much better than those guys. And even Gase said, like, they got to get him up with the first and second team because he doesn't belong, obviously, with the, the caliber of player on the third string. Uh, but, you know, like I said, he, he, we talked about it before he came on. I don't think we've talked about it here yet, but you and I, before he came on, were alluding to his calf injury. But it looks like he'll be full go next week uh, with a calf injury uh, recovery. Not a big deal, the calf injury. And they're working Marcus May back into things, and he'll be full go by training camp. So those are – those are and Shell, Brandon Shell looks good coming off the knee surgery. So those are some important – uh, starter-wise, injury takeaways, uh, injury recovery takeaways from the spring, and the Jets are pretty healthy, and so that's that's really important too. We'll get back to Quinton Williams in a few minutes because there's a funny story that I wanted you to tell about an interaction you had with him in the press room. But first, I want to ask you about the GM search. Seems like it's kind of slowed to a crawl. There's been some buzz about Joe Douglas still being the lead guy, but the fact that maybe he's asking for too much money, that could also be Jimmy Sexton, the agent, trying to publicly pressure the Jets. Also some reports that the Jets actually like all four of these guys, and it could be any of them. What are you hearing on this, and do you think that it's possible at all that this gets settled by the end of the week or the weekend? Because now it's starting to look like it's going to drag into next week. Yeah, I mean, it could be, could be settled in this week. Hard to tell the, the weekend, but then you know, Scott Fitter really impressed. And uh, yeah, I mean, look, I don't think Jeff, the Jets should make this about money. I, I don't understand why you know just give. I mean, unless the guy's asking for the moon, I mean, come on, like you're paying a coach and a GM to not be here right now, and it's all essentially funny money. And Matt Siplakowski, uh, everyone knows, covers the team. Me uh, did a good piece on this, like. You know, these teams get padded out money with you know the TV contracts. It's all self-perpetuating money. Christopher Johnson isn't writing this out of his own checkbook. You know the NFL teams are self-perpetuating money-making machines. Like, uh, and and the bottom line is, why not pay a little bit extra for this? Is all these are all points Matt made for a GM who could give you more wins, which will result in more ticket sales, more jersey sales, and he'll it'll pay for the guy basically. If you think if you really like the guy, pay for him. I don't understand. Not to say the Jets are being cheap, but I'm just saying, in, in you know, just as a, a conversation point, uh, I don't, I don't get it. Why, you know, if you like a guy enough to hire him, pay for him. It's silly to like try to like be cheap because then you know you're just going down the same road of, of hiring the guy maybe who you didn't want uh, as much as the other guy who wanted more money. But um, I mean, th- these are all kind of hypothetical things. But I think. Uh, that's important to remember, and it's not like there's a cap, a salary cap here for front office money, right? So it's, I can understand, and these are all points Matt made in that piece. You can understand, you know, teams being cheap with contracts for that because you have to adhere to a salary cap. You don't have to do that with coach and GM hires. So um, who knows? I mean, maybe they don't like Joe Douglas the, the most. Maybe they like somebody else. That's fine. We'll, we'll see. Uh, I don't think any of these guys are, you know, you look at them and say, this is a sure thing, guaranteed great GM. But I think 
you know, they like, you know, there should be, you, know, you should like the fact that Joe Douglas worked with Adam Gase and he's done some good things in Philly. So, um, that's sort of where the Jets are at. They did second interviews this week and followed up with those guys. And apparently we're trying to figure out the financial parameters of what they might want uh, and that sort of thing. So they're four pretty good candidates. I think these guys, they could do fine with any of them. Um, but I, you know, I think Douglas would be the best. Is he head and shoulders by far above the rest of the guys? No, but I think he'd probably be, be the best option for them. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. I'm of the opinion that any of these guys would make a strong candidate. Fitterer is the one that I know the least about because I mentioned this on the podcast with Chris Nimbley yesterday. But every time I ask somebody in Seattle to come on the podcast and talk about Fitterer, they basically answered by saying, I don't really have much to tell you, which is kind of weird for a guy that's been there so long. The other three guys I really dug into and liked what I heard and liked what I came up with. So I think those three guys talking, of course, about Douglas Fontenot and Kelly would all be good candidates. My only worry here is if the rumors are true, and I don't know if they are or not about whether or not the Jets are playing coy with money. I'm fine with them doing it if it's a negotiating tactic, but if they really want Joe Douglas or any of the other guys, it really shouldn't come down to money. Like you said, there's no cap. There's no reason to be cheap about this. I'm fine with them not getting Joe Douglas if he wants a lot of money and they think that all these guys are pretty even and they're saying to themselves, well, why would we pay this guy all this money when we think that he's about even with these guys? But if they think that Douglas or any of these guys is above the other and they really want him, there's no way that this should come down to money. Yeah, I totally agree. Nothing. I mean, I have nothing more to add with what you said and what I said, but I totally agree. Let's get to a couple of stories of a personal nature here, Daryl. There's a funny interaction that you had with Quinn and Williams during the presser yesterday. I thought you might want to share it because I laughed a lot when I heard about it. Yeah, so actually the, the Jets don't open the locker room in the spring anymore. They used to open the locker room, but now they bring all the players into the press conference room and put them behind the podium, which is kind of a not exactly intimate interview setting and it's really dry and it's actually quite boring and difficult to get anything substantial. So, you know, in a lot of ways it's kind of a waste of time because everyone's getting the same stuff. So, uh, well, so Quentin Williams comes in and I, the main thing, you know, to ask him about is his calf injury. Yeah, it's not a big deal, but how did he sustain this? You know, when did he get hurt and uh, how's he feeling? And so just basic questions and Adam Gaze has shown a willingness to eat, to volunteer information about injuries to us. And uh, Marcus May had just been in there, and he had talked pretty openly about his injuries. So, like, this, this these days of, uh, you know, Todd Bowles, and we'll, we'll see what this when the season starts, how, how coy they are about injuries. But, you know, with Todd Bowles being, like, so secretive about injuries, you know, I mean, what they, they didn't do much good. Uh, like, it's the, the dumbest thing, especially, like, injuries in, in the spring. But, I, you know, you can understand a player not wanting to step out of line. And when Quinn Williams was asked about it, he, like, got all nervous and he didn't want to say anything. You got you know, to ask coach or something like that or whatever he said. It's like, oh, come on, man. Like, really, like, obviously, Gase doesn't care. I don't think he recognizes that. I think he's just a rookie trying not to step out, out of line, which is fine. So I kind of jokingly said uh, – you know, like, it's fine. Like, Nick Saban can't hurt you anymore. He can't do anything to you. Like, because, of course, Saban was, you know, rules with an iron fist and is, like, the ultimate, like, don't talk about injuries and whatever. I mean, these guys, Alabama could turn over every, the medical records of every player on the roster and they'd still contend for a national title every year. It has nothing to do with anything. Uh, but it's just typical paranoid, ridiculous coach stuff. 
uh, you know, the bottom line is if you have talented players and good coaches, you're going to win. And, and that's why Alabama wins, not because they don't talk about injuries. But for whatever reason, you know, he still has that Alabama stuff ingrained in him, which is, you know, not really that impactful, whatever. It doesn't really matter about whether he's going to be a good player or not. He'll be a good player whether he talks about injuries or not. But it was just funny and give him a little bit of a hard time. He laughed a little bit at that. But, uh, uh, yeah, so I don't think he'll be talking much about injuries. I think he was completely brainwashed in Tus- Tuscaloosa by all that stuff. So <laughs> This is the Overtime Podcast Network. You also had an interesting moment with Adam Gase that was based on a little bit of a misunderstanding, but apparently he singled you out later and you had a little bit of a laugh over it. Oh yeah, so we were coming off the practice field, and I had asked him. Well, I we had heard that they were not uh, going to be doing the practice today, so I kind of went over to him. I was like, "So what are you guys doing tomorrow? Like paintball or something like that?" And he said, "No, it's top golf." But like he didn't want they didn't want it out there until um, until today because it was a surprise to the players today that they weren't going to practice and they were going to go do the driving range type thing at top golf. And then he it was really a weird little thing, but he's like, "Oh." Uh, he made some comment about me about me losing my train of thought or something like that in the press conference, which happens before practice, which is not really helpful to have a press conference before practice, but whatever. Uh, and uh, what what happened was I was just kind of signaling to the PR guy to, to ask a question that I was going to ask a question, but uh, they he he pointed the PR guy to do a couple other people, so they ran out of time or whatever. So it kind of looked like I didn't get my question out, but it was mainly because the PR, it was, it was because they didn't give me a chance to ask it. Uh, so a little misunderstanding. He couldn't see the PR guy. So he, because he was behind him, Gase. So kind of a weird, dumb story, but, uh, I was going to ask him how Lady Ann Bell looked, uh, coming out of his first day of practice. Like, uh, was he, how did he come out physically? And this was before practice and Bell looked fine on day two. So I'm sure it looks like he came out. Okay. Uh, and he didn't get a lot of work. So that was sort of the applicable question that I was going to ask is like, this guy hasn't been on a football field in however long. How did he come out? You know, was he sore or whatever? But it looked like he was fine on day two. And of course, that was the day two pre- uh, press conference. So we didn't get a chance to talk to Gase about how Bell looked on day two, which is kind of an issue. You know, you'd like to talk to the coach after the practice. But, um, you know, we'll see on Tuesday. Uh, Bell won't be around next week. Le'Veon Bell won't be around. So we can ask uh, Adam Gase you know, how he, how Bell came out of those practices, but looked like he was pretty spry moving around at top golf, even though he, he didn't play, uh, didn't, didn't swing the club, but, uh, he looked like he was moving around. All right. So I guess not too sore, uh, not too sore coming out of the, uh, coming out of the practice. So they say these things come in three, Daryl. So one last thing that involved you that I thought was funny and it was a viral photo that went around Jets Twitter. Brian Costello of the New York Post snapped the picture. And it was basically of all the Jets beat reporters, except for obviously Brian, who was taking the picture. And for some reason, you were the only one that realized that he was taking the picture and thought to do a pose. So there you are making that pose, and everybody else kind of looks confused. What happened there? Yeah, so they had uh, an area for uh, VIP fans. Uh, who are at, you know, long-time season ticket holders, that type of thing. The Iras of the world. So uh, they were out there uh, under a tent in like the middle of the sideline. And so that meant that you had to go to either far end of the sideline to really watch what was happening in terms of the ball being moved in practice. So there was really only a couple spots for us to go to get an ac- accurate look or a clear look at what was going on. So that was one of them. So everybody had congregated down there to watch the 
that part of practice. And Brian was kind of moving his way down there and noticed all of us there, like like sheep, like sweaty sheep standing out in the sun. So uh, he snapped a quick photo. But uh, hard at work, standing around writing writing about football plays in a notebook. So tough life, tough job. Someone's got to do it, I guess. So, uh, yeah, it was a nice couple days out there. Nice weather. Uh, the brutal humidity hasn't set in yet. You know, it's not that bad up here, the humidity or anything like that. But, um, but yeah, it was fine. It was a nice couple days. And the Jets got some good work in, and uh, back to it next week. Couple of days next week, right? Yeah. So the Jets practice Monday through Thursday. That's their final week of OTAs, and also their final week of spring practices. After Thursday, they're off until late July in training camp when the training camp starts. And the open practices for media next week are Tuesday and Thursday. And it sounds like we're, well, we will get the assistant coaches, including all the coordinators, next week, which just means Greg Williams is talking for the first time. Which, you know, it's mid-June, and they hired the guy in January. <laughs> He's talking for the first time. So uh, that'll probably be on Tuesday or Thursday. I think Thursday, but I'm not sure yet. So we'll get a chance to talk to all their assistants. They have to make them all available by league rules in the spring. So um, that'll be interesting, mainly for Greg Williams, uh, who certainly has a lot to say on the practice field and certainly has been pretty confident about his ability to mold defenses and has a, has a big task in his hand doing that here. So... Uh, that'll be fun on, on either Tuesday or Thursday when we're out there. And like I said, Thursday is the last day. That's pack it up and go home day for uh, for these guys for six weeks until training camp starts. Daryl, I don't want to tell you how to do your job, but if I were you, a little friendly advice, don't make any comments about Bounty Gate or you might find yourself <laughs> with a bounty on your head. <laughs> I think I'll, you know, I think I'll avoid that, but, uh, but, you know, Joe Vitt being on the staff now, I'm sure it's going to be something that will be asked about to Joe or Greg about their relationship because of all the things that happened. Uh, but there's, you know, there's probably a subtle way to ask to ask that, but I'm sure they're going to stick to the company line. It seems like they were getting along in the practice field. They talk out there um, and get along. Not that you'd expect them to, like, be fighting, I guess, but uh, a lot of energy from the coaching staff, and I even I hate using that word, but, you know, it's whatever. What do you expect these guys to be, like, hungover out there? Like, you know, like, <laughs> drooling? Like, of course, it's their job to be, like, energized football coaches. But, you know, I, Williams has a ton of energy, and he talks a lot. And I think Gase, the thing about Gase is, like, people talk about his energy in the field, him going head-to-head with Williams and craziness and all that. Gase is just normal out there. I haven't seen, like, him be, like, going all crazy and stuff he's just normal coaching players i'm sure he's very uh animated in terms of what he's saying to the guys that we can't hear because um you know he talked about getting in sam donald's ear and getting on his case a little bit about some mistakes but like he's not being demonstrative enough that you can like see that from the sideline so uh he's not it's not really anything out of the ordinary with gates i don't i don't i don't see anything like that and you know williams has uh you know, the players, some of the players joked with him, you know, like, oh, you're crazy or something like that over, you know, he was giving them a hard time about something. So he's got a seemingly a pretty good rapport with these players already, uh, especially Tremaine Johnson, who he coached in L.A. And uh, or I guess they were in St. Louis, too, maybe. I don't know, with the Rams. So, um, yeah, they seem to like his vibe so far. I mean, such that that matters, I guess. I mean, the results matter more, but. The players seem to like Greg Williams' vibe, and I'm sure he'll be asked about his energy next week in the, in the press conference. Uh, you know, that's not going to. I'm sure he recognizes that doesn't win, doesn't win you a lot of games. You got to scheme it up and uh, have talented players and get the most out of your guys. So that's a big test for him too, especially in that secondary, especially with Tremaine Johnson. So 
a lot of time still to sort all that out, but those are some of the many storylines that Greg Williams will be looking at uh, coming up here in the coming months. If nothing else, I would imagine that Williams and Gase will be a heck of a lot more entertaining quotes for you to cover than Todd Bowles and Casey Rogers were. Yeah, Yeah, the quotes, the press conference will be better. It's a low bar to clear, but the press conferences will be better. (laughs) I don't think fans care. I think they just care about, I know they don't care. They just care about winning. Uh, So multiple ways to skin a cat. You can be quotable. You can be not quotable. Uh, But the bottom line is getting talented players and getting the most out of them. We'll see if this Jets regime can do it. And they take another step towards trying to do that with the last week of OTAs coming up next week before the big break for training camp. And then training camp comes up, of course, as you said, Daryl, at the end of July. As always, Father Flannel, thank you for joining me (laughs) on this podcast. Really appreciate it. We will talk again next week after the Thursday practice. In the meantime, why don't you go ahead and let everybody know what you and Matt Stipulkowski have cooking over at NJ.com. I don't know. What should I say? Bless you, son? Or what, what, are the, what does the priest say? You, know, what I, you could say what Quinn and Williams said. Bless you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, bless you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Bless you as well. So, uh, yeah, so we got the, um, the things that I mentioned. You know, Matt had that piece about the finances of the GM search, all that stuff. And uh, tomorrow I'll have a little thing on what, uh, what this Carson Wentz contract could be for Sam Darnold down the road. And, you know, the fact that the CBA is expiring after 2020, Darnold, um, that would be, uh, what, 18, 19, 20, 21. Darnold under contract through 2021. 20, so how does that impact things? It's all up there. Um, and then, you know, a couple things on some of the under-the-radar p- players that we talked about. Uh, the little item on that for Saturday. So, And then whatever happens in the GM search. So I think, uh, geez, I mean, they fired Mike McCagney May 15th. Are we going to get to the one-month mark of this search? I think, I think it's possible, but I think everyone's ready for it to just be over. So we'll see how it all shakes out. If they don't solve it soon, I'm starting to think that maybe the Jets should just make a reality web series out of it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know how interesting that would be, but maybe. (laughs) You never know. Eric Allen can do some magical things when he hosts this stuff. So if this carries on much longer, you never know. There might be one Jets drive a whole series on each of these candidates. And if they do do that, they will be copying me because I've been doing the (laughs) the candidate series. So I will come right at Eric Allen. Even though David Aiken, one of our writers at TurnOnTheJets.com, would get mad at me because Eric Allen is his idol. Some of us have strange heroes, and that is David Aiken's hero. So we'll look and see what happens, but I do suspect that they're going to probably fill this GM vacancy sometime over the next couple days. Daryl, again, thanks for coming on. Make sure that you follow Daryl on Twitter. Also read Matt and Daryl's work over at NJ.com. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and Turn on the Jets dot com.